I felt very sexy in those underwear and still do to this day. Welcome to Hey, Did You Ever See That Movie? I'm your host, Dez, and as always, I'm joined by my angry co-host, Lynn. <laughs> my theory on feds is that they're like mushrooms. Feed them shit and keep them in the dark. You girls have a good day. And joining us today, the podcaster with a thousand potions, Mickey. What's the matter, smartass? You don't need fucking Shakespeare? <laughs> How about them apples? Today, we will be discussing the 2006 crime drama, The Departed, written by William Monaghan, directed by Martin Scorsese, based on Internal Affairs by Alan Mack and Felix Chong, starring the great Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Marky Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, and Alec Baldwin. Sheen. Martin Sheen. Okay. As always, <laughs> this podcast will contain spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. Then come back and listen to the podcast. Okay. It is time for Dez's four and one fun and one fake facts, where we give you four real facts and one fake fact. And it will be up to my two co hosts to decide which fact is total bullshit. Okay. Fact number one, Leonardo DiCaprio gained 15 pounds of pure muscle for his role as Billy Costigan. Fact number two, Al Pacino was actually Scorsese's first choice for the role of Costello, but he turned it down, so Scorsese went with his second choice, Jack Nicholson. Number three, Leonardo DiCaprio went to Boston before shooting and spent time with people tied to the Irish mob. Number four, as research for his character, Matt Damon worked closely with the Massachusetts State Police Unit out of Boston and even participated in a live drug raid. And number five, Martin Scorsese said that he loosely modeled the end of The Departed after one of his favorite movies, The Usual Suspects. Mickey, which fact do you think is total bullshit? I'm going to go with number two. Number two, Al Pacino was Scorsese's first choice for the role of Costello. Delin, which fact do you think is total bullshit? I also was going to go with number two. Both of my co-hosts went with fact number two. And once again, I have stumped the panel. I'm on quite a roll. <laughs> uh, actually, seems like neither of you were paying attention to the end of the movie because it really had nothing to do with the usual suspects. <laughs> Well, but, you said loosely, so I didn't know. <laughs> Very loosely. Uh, number five was the bullshit. Uh, gotcha. Was the bullshit. Um, and actually, it's funny because Jack Nicholson also turned the role down. He didn't want to do it. But um, after meeting with Scorsese and uh, DiCaprio, they convinced him to do it. And he had been doing a bunch of um, comedic roles up to this. He had, was kind of on a on a roll of comedic roles. And he thought it was time to get back to his Jap chap his jack napier ways wow <laughs> okay 85. is he i could not believe it. he's 85 i can't believe it god damn he still looks i mean i know this was filmed a long time ago he still looks amazing 
Yeah. Yeah. For 85. I mean, hell yeah. Um, with a box office budget of $90 million and a box office gross of $291 million, The Departed was considered a smash success. Dylan, would you like to give us a synopsis? You got it. All South right. Boston cop Billy Costigan goes undercover to infiltrate the organization of gangland chief Frank Costello. As Billy gains the mobster's trust, a career criminal named Colin Sullivan infiltrates the police department and reports on its activities to his syndicate bosses. When both organizations learn they have a mole in their midst, Billy and Colin must figure out each other's identities to save their own lives. His what bosses? Oh, syndicate. syndicate. Oh, okay. <laughs> Big words. Okay. <laughs> So before we get into it, you know, I, I love story time. So let me ask you both. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. Delin, have you ever been arrested? No. You have no criminal record? None. Mickey, you can plead the fifth or you can answer the question. Have you well, ever no, been arrested? I've been arrested once. One arrest. Would you like to share the uh, circumstances? Sure. Because it was really stupid and really fun. Okay. <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I was 18 years old and... Oh boy. I was in uh, Hampton Beach, New Hampshire with nice. um, three girlfriends who I will not name. And don't name names. Don't name names. And we just got stupid and said, yeah, let's get some, uh, some alcohol and drive around Hampton Beach. And somehow we got it into our head that we were all talking in British accents, and so we had all people convinced we were in an all-girl British rock band. Oh, I love this story. Why <laughs> <laughs> well, show up every week? And um, and so yeah, so we were. Um, you just kind of do a loop. I mean, that this is back in. God, how old was I? I think I was maybe I was nineteen or twenty. So this, you know, dating myself here, but um, and then at one point. <laughs> Um, we had, pu- we were, had pulled over to the side to talk to this group of guys. And I looked to my right cause I was in the front passenger seat and there was the, uh, paddy wagon. I hate to say paddy wagon, but the police van. Right. And I was like, oh, so I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I leaned forward. Like if I leaned forward enough, he won't see the fucking open container of alcohol right in the front seat of the car. And I kind of smiled at the. <laughs> the guy driving the van. Needless to say, <laughs> they pulled us over and um, they asked for IEDs and stuff. And one of the girls is still talking in a British accent. And I said, <laughs> Oh, God. I said, He's seen your license. He knows you're from Revere. You can cut the act now. Right. <laughs> so they put us in the van, take us to the freaking jail, impound my friend's car. And I was, this is back when I was like ridiculously like, super skinny like people thought i had an eating disorder skinny even though i didn't um and so we were in the back of the van and we were um on the way to jail and i took my handcuffs off oh god <laughs> and my girlfriend said oh my god put those back on i'm like look what i, and I felt like Stuart, look what i can do look like what i can do <laughs> and so i remember getting out of the van and 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 uh i was like the second or third one out and the cop says, all right, come on. And I go, here you go. You might want these back. And I handed them to him and he started laughing. Um, And they literally, I think they literally just took us there to scare us because they literally took our pictures, put us in a cell for a little bit and then let us go. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was mostly just to wisen you up, I think. Right. Yeah. So So that's your, that's that's your brush. That was my big, my big brush with the law. 
Cool. So, um, he only despite, asked about your story so he could tell his. No, no, I wanted to hear everybody's stories if they had them and they wanted to share. He wants to talk about his cat milking days in Motown. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's going to be a little uh, meet the parents for anybody who doesn't know. Um, so this might surprise our listeners after 30 episodes, but I have never been arrested. I have no police record, which is cool in my opinion. But I was the main suspect in three investigations and was acquitted all three times. So I will only share one of these stories with you because this is the one that was probably the most interesting. So I was painting the front and back doors of a strip of um, condos in Bridgewater. So there are probably maybe 10 or 15 condos that were all side by side by side by side. So it was during the day and I had the keys to each one of them so I could open the front door and paint it and then go around back and paint the back door. So I had done that during the day and I locked up all the condos. You know, there's really nobody home. It was during work hours. I locked everything up and I went home. So I got a call from the Bridgewater Police Department and one of the units had been burglarized while I was working there and I locked up afterwards. So I was the suspect. It was me. Like, they're like, dude, you were there. You had the keys. The place was robbed. You locked it up and went home. Like you robbed the place. I'm like, I didn't fucking rob the place. So I was, uh, I had to go down to the police department. I had to meet with the detective. They took a statement and he said, you know, you're pretty much the suspect. We're just going to see how, how how this plays out. So it became obvious that they weren't really looking for anybody else and they weren't doing any detective work. They were just trying to connect me to the crime. Like they wanted to basically just find some evidence that it was me and arrest me for it. But I had gotten friendly with the condo association guy and he didn't think I would do something like that. So he took it upon himself. There was a Home Depot right across the street. He took it upon himself to go over there and ask if they had any surveillance camera from the parking lot from that day. And they let him see the surveillance camera from that day. And it showed a black car pull up in front of the condo. I was around back painting, apparently. A guy jumped out with a black bag, empty, ran into the condo that was robbed, came out a couple of minutes later with the bag full, jumped back in the car and took off. Um. So they ran the plate number. It was a guy from Brockton. They went down. They found him. They found some of the stolen goods. He had stolen some of it, sold some of it. And, you know, he was like a convicted <laughs> bad guy. And, yeah, so I was uh, innocent. Yeah. So I'm the only one with a record. <laughs> yes. You're the only criminal on the podcast <laughs> officially. <laughs> oh. oh, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dylan, it was your turn then. Yeah, I know. I didn't do anything. I'm pretty you good You drove kid. your mom's car into a uh, snowbank. I did, but I didn't get in trouble for it because I got it out. Dude, remember <laughs> when we got pulled over by the bicycle cops in Hampton Beach? Yes, we <laughs> we got pulled over by bicycle cops in Hampton Beach. I'm like, I'm like, baby, I think we're getting pulled over. She's like, what? I'm like, no, by a guy on a bicycle. He's right beside my window. Oh, my God, that's funny. Yeah, he was like, donk, donk, donk on the window. I was like, oh, my God. I pulled over. He's like, slow down. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, we can't be going that fast because you just caught up with us on a huffy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh All my right. God. All, All right. right. So shall we get into it? Yes. And I wrote today's um, script and I think it's a winner. Uh, I rewrote today's script, honey. It's already dull different. <laughs> I actually um, <laughs> plagiarized this. I took the script. I found this website that writes all the shit out for me. So all I have to do is just read it off the website with my microphone on. And there it is. Script. Yeah, that's that's plagiarism. Saving me <laughs> hours of work and the script's going to be tight. And then I still have to rewrite it. I spent an hour rewriting it, but okay. Here right, we go. Shakespeare. <laughs> All right. Frank Costello, played by Jack Nicholson, is monologuing at the start of our movie. He's an Irish gangster whose general life philosophy is to take whatever you want and kill anyone who gets in your way. In a flashback, Frank meets a little boy named Colin Sullivan, played as an adult by Matt Damon, and takes him under his wing. He teaches Colin his life's philosophy and helps him out with groceries. When Colin grows up, he goes into the police force of the Massachusetts State Police. While on the force, he will be in continuous connection with Frank, feeding him information. At roughly the same time, another young man by the name of Billy Costigan, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, is also joining the force. Billy is called into Captain Queenan's office, played by Martin Sheen, and it's revealed that Billy's family has a history of crime. Queenan and Sergeant Dignam, played by, Mark, played by Marky Mark Wahlberg... <laughs> sees his potential to not just be a by-the-book rookie cop, but use his family's background to insert him into Southie's crime world and have him be a deep undercover informant with the goal of getting into Costello's orbit. Billy accepts. So there's a lot to unpack in this these first couple of scenes. I added the Marky Mark thing. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't in the write-up. Um, go ahead, Nikki. He had such a great cast i forgot how good of a cast this movie had i think the strongest parts of the i mean don't get me wrong i'm not trying to say that leonardo and fucking uh what's his face uh jack matt damon oh. and jack nicholson aren't fantastic but like it's this the ones kind of in the background like when you alec get to baldwin. alec baldwin and you get martin sheen like it's like oh my god like they're playing the little piddly parts but yeah. they they give it such gravitas it was really actually pretty good and Vera, yeah. I love her. Yes. She was oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, the beginning of this movie obviously feels a lot like um, Goodfellas. Uh, you know, when De Niro oh, yeah. meets the little kid and says, you know, here's some grocery money and blah, yep. if you want. So we're getting, we're also going to get the fucking, the super trope for these gangster movies, the fucking Rolling Stones, you know? Oh yeah. It's, it's like, come on. I love this song. <laughs> I love this song, but come on, Scorsese, you're better than this. This like, at least pick a different Rolling Stones song. <laughs> well, literally we fin I finished the movie and I walked out and I looked at Des and I go, so basically it's Goodfellas for Irish people. And he was like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's, but the beginning is awesome. Uh, you know, Jack Nicholson is disgusting in this scene. You know, did you get your period yet? And yeah. I'm just like, uh, yeah. Gross. Yeah. I mean, Kia, get some makeup. I'm like, now, Whoa. can I ask you? Cause I was a little confused on this. So he was, so this was when Matt Damon was young and he went yes. into that thing and he was like asking the girl, you know, did you get your period, get some makeup. In present, in the present day, was that his girlfriend? I don't know. For part of me, thought maybe, or maybe she's just was like his type. Yeah, I don't know. And I asked Tony, and he's like, he's like, I don't know, honey. I think she'd be a lot older. Yeah, that's but kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I didn't catch it. 
I didn't catch it if it was supposed to be or not. Because I, uh, I, I couldn't remember in, in, when she was younger if he said if her name was – I feel like he said her name was like Patty or something. And yeah. I know the older woman's name was Gwen, so I don't know. I just – I felt like it was the same woman. Yeah, I think she was a hangaround at one point when they're in the apartment. I thought maybe – I thought the same thing, that she was kind of like the obnoxious girl that was kind of like drunk and kind of goofing around on his couch. Yeah, mm, right. But I don't think it was made. It was made clear, honestly. Okay. Um, so I, I wished it, not that the accents were a problem in this because they really weren't. But I kind of wish every actor had just stuck to one version of the Boston accent. <laughs> uh, you know, it's hard. It was, and it's funny because even Matt Damon, there were times when I'm like, "Come on, man, you're from Boston. Like, Damn. what are you doing?" Yeah, it was almost uh, overacted. They yeah, there was um I definitely had uh, a couple of issues like Jack Nicholson's accent was a little heavy-handed and um there was a couple times uh Madeline uh when Vera was talking yeah. and yeah. she would say something and I'm like like you know what she is an incredibly intelligent woman my guess is she probably would have learned how to speak without her accent in order to mm-hmm. be taken more seriously. Like right. she did not have to have the Boston accent at all. And I would have yeah. believed it anyways. But she didn't in so many scenes. She didn't but then have she a turned Boston and would have it in such a right. weird way, like in like an aggressive way. And I'd be like, oh, I don't like that. And that was, I mean, a funny thing was, was, um, uh, what's his name? Baldwin, Captain Elbury. He really had, like, he did it so subtly, Baldwin. You almost didn't notice it, but it was believable. I was like, oh, yeah, he's kind of got a little. That's the way I think it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they had all played it like that. Even Wahlberg was laying it on a little heavy. I'm like, (laughs) damn. Well, you got to think he's probably been out in California for at least 10 years by that point. (laughs) I had forgotten how young Leonardo DiCaprio was in this movie, too. Well, it's 2006, right? Yeah. So So we're talking almost 20 years ago now. He was so young. He's such an amazing actor. Like I've always thought he was just an amazing actor. Uh But in 2006, he hasn't quite like he hasn't quite sharpened his sword to where it is like now. It's still very. I think he's got another 20 years under his belt of experience now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I was I was like, wow, he's really good. But it wasn't like he wasn't stealing the screen like he does now, you know, which well, was fun. Here's the, here's the crazy thing, too. Like, even so, he did the Basketball Diaries with, with Mark Wahlberg in 95. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then, God, you know what else he was amazing in was uh, Gilbert Grape. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. He's He's been yeah. amazing in everything he's ever done. I fucking love Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. I like him as an actor. I think, like, uh, like I kind of feel like, you know how, like, with Keanu, we're like, oh, it's Keanu. You know what I mean? He Like, Keanu is like rainbows and puppies and... Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Leonardo DiCaprio, like, in, his, in like, real life, from yes. everything that I've heard and read, he skeeves me out. Yeah, he's... I, I don't like him as a person, he, he, as a personal person, but as yeah. an actor, I like him. Oh, he's phenomenal as an actor, but, like, I feel like he reminds me of almost, like, I hate to say it, like almost like Jack Nicholson's character in this, like skeevy with the women. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Well, isn't he dating like a nineteen-year-old now? And it's like, yes. it's like, dude, you're you're in your late forties, early fifties. Yeah. Like, maybe not do that. You know? Did you guys ever see the beach? Yes. Yeah, I thought that was way good. back when. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cheesy, but I, I I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was fun. And you've got uh, uh Velda Swank. What's her name? <laughs> 
Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Velma Swank. I said Velda. Velda Swank. Velda Swank. Okay. That's going to um, be uh, that's going to be Des's uh like new assumed name now when he Yeah, it could be his screen name. Velda Swank. Velda Swank. <laughs> oh god. Um so another thing I wanted to ask you guys they kept making references to um, Matt Damon possibly being gay. Did you guys catch that? Yep. So he's, you know, there's a lot of uh, like he's he's using fag and and queer and he's, you know, everybody's gay and and I noticed that right off the bat. I was like, wow, that's a lot coming from this guy. It's a lot of like homophobe coming from this guy. And then yeah. I'm noticing that he's having trouble performing with his girlfriend, and she's saying it's no big deal. It happens to a lot of guys. Right. And there's also a strange scene, and I didn't catch it at first, but when he's looking at the apartment and the guy is saying to him, you know, oh, you're a cop. And he's like, yeah. And they're kind of like, kind of going back and forth. It's a little strange. Is there a Mrs. Cop? No, I'm yeah. single. And I was like, all right, this is getting strange. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, it. I mean, well, I'd like to say first and foremost, if you're ever in Southie, it is still Hey, faggot. Hey, queer. Hey, right. it's it just unfortunately that is kind of how that neighborhood can be. And yeah. that's where he's from. So you kind of could almost let it go if it was just that. But then they throw these couple of other things into it. And it really does leave you wondering what, what's going on there. This movie really gave Boston a little bit of a black guy, too. Yeah, um, I, I and I get it. I mean, it has a reputation of being a little bigoted, but I like and it big- is. Think about yeah. what happened at that Celtics game, you know? Yeah, but I, I like to think that people from Boston aren't as bad as they're painting them to be in this movie. Like they're, they're <laughs> You're giving them way too much credit. I don't know. They're, well, first of all, I'm from Boston, and I don't want to be hunted after this podcast. <laughs> it's bad, though. I mean, they're really making making Boston out to be like just bad. Yeah, the funny thing about Boston is, and people who are from here understand this, and people who are not from here don't understand this, is that. People will talk to you and be rude, but like yeah. if you were stuck in the middle of an intersection, people will jump out of their car and help you push yourself to the side. Right. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's it's like we're kind, but we're mean at the same time. Like that's it's kind of how like, Bostonians are. Like a, it's almost like a um like a sign of affection. Yeah, you know almost. I mean? Yeah, if you're rude to somebody, you actually kind of like them. <laughs> right. So right. Boston is a tough town. It just is. Mm-hmm. And people from Boston are fucking tough. And you could be a wimpy guy in Boston. Like you could be a guy that's not a hard ass from Boston. But I found out when I moved to San Francisco that like, we're pretty tough because when we got there, it's (laughs) like, I got into a couple of situations and I was like, I was no problem. Like grabbing dudes and throwing them down. And they were like, what are you doing, man? Like at a party, like, man, why'd you have to take it there? I'm like, cause you would be the punk. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, it's so yeah boston's a tough town i'll I'll give it that it is and i even found that like when i moved to the south like i moved to north carolina and people didn't know how to take me right um they thought i was very either abrasive or aggressive or direct or sarcastic and it's like well that's how it is you know well that's the other thing so they say about the south is that it's the opposite they'll Mm. be nice to your face but behind your back they're like vipers Right. Oh, so, girl, if you if somebody ever says "bless your heart," punch him in the face. 
Yeah, because they're basically saying, go fuck yourself. Right. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and I don't consider myself a tough guy by any means. And anybody that knows me knows that that's not me. But your average guy from Boston against your average guy from like California at that time, right. it was I, night and day. I mean, these guys were cool and laid back. And at that point in my life, I wasn't. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to the movie. All right. Um, and just putting it out there is that we do skip over a couple scenes just to make the things continue to move. Um, but you know, if you guys want to go back and touch on anything, I jump over, please feel free. Um, cause if not, we'll be at this for eight hours. It's a three hour long movie. Um, okay. So in order to build up some street cred, since they cannot hide the fact that Billy attended the state police Academy, he has to get himself arrested for assault. He's incarcerated for several months and makes some connections with people from Southie. When he gets out, he goes to see his aunt in Southie complete with her oxygen tank and lit palm oil and (laughs) hooks up with a small time crook cousin. Uh, His name is Sean and they start doing drug deals, but it comes to a grinding halt when Costello confronts him and orders him to stop. Billy realizes that to up the ante, if he's going to get in with Costello, he needs to really up it and get his game going. So while eating lunch at a local dinerette, he sees two mafia guys shaking down the store owner. He savagely beats them both down, breaking his hand in the process. Costello confronts him once again, re-breaks his hand, and tells him that the mafia dudes will soon come back to the neighborhood with a bunch of guys to kill him, while also interrogating him to make sure that he's not a cop. It turns out that the Providence Mafia is Costello's biggest enemy, so he decides to put Billy under his protection and make him part of the crew. So that's a lot to cover there, but I thought that the scene in the, like, I he's sitting in the dinerette and he's eating and he's looking at these two guys mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, what did you do, come up here for some cannoli or whatever he says to him? And I was just, here we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But when he grabs the, the coat rack and he starts hitting the guy in the face with the coat rack, I th- had to look away. I was like, oh, no. That was a great scene. Yeah, there's tons of them. I love the scene in the very beginning, though, where we're going to meet, you know, Wahlberg and um, and uh, Queen and Martin Sheehan. And, you know, I love how I love how Wahlberg is, you know, you're not a fucking cop and you're never going to fucking be a cop. You know, <laughs> you're pretending to be a cop and. And, you know, Martin Sheen is just giving him full, you know, full uh, freedom to just, you know, go at DiCaprio. And I love this scene. I thought it was really, really good. Um, you know, you, you don't see- know what we do here. You don't even begin to know what we do here. Yeah. You know, in five years, you're not going to be a fucking cop. You, you had a, you, you scored 1400 in STAs. You're a fucking astronaut, not a state trooper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I had to come into play a little more in the movie too. Um, I wish, I mean, DiCaprio was smart. It seemed like he was kind of a step ahead of, of everybody, but not, not genius. You know what I mean? Like, well, I thought it was funny that both Colin and Billy are very smart guys. They both yeah. like, they know authors, they know uh, like people, some, somebody quotes something to them and they know what it is. And the fact that, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, at some point Costello asks him if he knows who Lennon is and Billy says... Yeah. yeah, he's the guy that came after Lincoln, right? President, the president before Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it was right. like he was playing dumb on purpose because you know yeah. he knew the answer. Yeah. I liked Wahlberg's character a lot in this movie. I thought that... Uh, and I, he's I mean, actually a pretty small character, but he's a great character. He's so full of crap and so, like, was, so zesty. Yeah. yeah, he was he was a small character, but he was very larger than life. Yes. Um, like, he... I feel like he dominated every scene that he was in. And I'm 100%. not... 100%. Lie like I, and I remember bits and pieces of this from when I saw it the first time. But 
we were just sitting here watching it and I had like a duh moment and I, I paused and I looked at Tony. I'm like, why is, I don't understand this. Why is he being such a dick? And he's like, honey, rewind it and pay attention. Like you see what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, now, and I had to like, like it was such a duh moment, but then I understood why they were behaving that way because they were going to, they wanted to see if he wanted to, if he would crack. Right. And I didn't, uh, for some reason, I didn't like pick that up the first go around. And I was just like, why is he being so mean? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) But now I'm like, oh, now I get it. Okay. And I just thought that was such a a good scene. And I love how Martin Sheehan just kind of let him roll with it. Yes. And I also loved, uh, and you know, we, we got this and don't look up Leonardo DiCaprio can say a lot just with his expressions uh-huh. and he is fucking like on fire inside. He's looking at Wahlberg. Like I want to kill you right now. Yeah. Like he wants to attack. And yeah. He's not saying anything and I'm, and I'm loving that performance. So this whole, this whole scene in the office for me was really great. It was setting up these characters for me. And there was a lot of great character building in this movie. Mm-hmm. Tons. tons and also uh shout out to the southie kitchen in the aunt's house with the 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 pine cabinets or whatever they are just i saw them again i was like there they are there's the cabinets yeah (laughs) and uh dicaprio too you know he was big in this i didn't realize how big dicaprio was because i mean you even see him when he faces off against a couple of these different actors looks pretty big in this movie i mean yeah and that's thing when he's working out in jail yeah i was like oh i was like that's Wow. I didn't little, think he was that big. Yeah. A little taller than I remembered him. Yeah. And it really helped the cred of the scenes, like in this scene in the deli where he attacks these two guys. I mean, one of the guys is the muscle for the mob. Right. And, you know, if DiCaprio wasn't big enough, I'm not buying this scene, but I did. I bought it. It was just fine. Yeah. I mean, he definitely uh, takes some unawares before they even realize what's going on. Yeah. You know? And- and I love the but the scene in the bar where he's having the cranberry juice. Yo, what do you got? You period? Yeah. And he freaking breaks the, the glass off the guy's head. So then the muscle guy comes in. He says, you know, there's guys you can hit and there's guys that you, you almost can't. can't hit. Almost can't hit. <laughs> he's like, he's one that you almost can't hit. And then he ends up whooping the guy's ass. <laughs> I love that guy. I love Mr. French. Guy. Who is it? Mr. French. Yes. Yeah. I know him and I just, I, I, I don't know what else I've seen of him, but I love that character. I loved his character. Yeah. He's uh he's Ray Winstone and he's been in a lot of things and he's one yeah. of those ones that kind of disappears into a movie, yeah, you know, great. um, let's see, cold mountain Beowulf. Like, it's like, he's one of those though. He just, he was in Puss in Boots, King of Thieves, you know, so, stuff like that. So like, he just shows up in these movies, you know, as wonderful and deep as the cast was in this movie. <clears throat> And it was wonderful and it was deep. And I love all of the actors that were in this. And I think on their own, they're all really, really great. Like, you know, Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting. I mean, fucking forget about it. And that, he played such a more believable Boston character in that than he did in this, um, which is surprising to me. It was almost like they were all trying to one-up each other, especially when you get a couple of guys from Boston, like Matt Damon versus Mark Wahlberg. He's like, you're not Boston. I'm fucking Boston, all right? (laughs) So they were like trying to out-Boston each other a little bit. But 
Um, <clears throat> like, for instance, we were just saying with Mr. French, I wasn't very familiar with that actor. So I immediately just saw Mr. French. Right. Um, but when you start getting into like, for instance, Jack Nicholson, okay, he's a great actor. I love him and everything, but I just kept seeing Jack Nicholson. Would it have been better had they cast that down a little bit? So everybody wasn't such a recognizable super Hollywood star to where I'm saying, oh, there's Jack Nicholson. Well, here's Mark the thing. Wahlberg. When it was Alec Baldwin, I wasn't thinking here's Alec Baldwin. Agreed. Yeah, I wasn't either. Agreed. So, and, so and, that's a, that, that goes to show you like he was able to back up enough and let the character do the thing as opposed nope. to like, I think. I almost think like Jack Nicholson is so overrated at this point that it's like he just can't help but be Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't blown away by his performance in this when he did the rat face and stuff. I mean, there was a lot of I mean, it's I he's he's fine. He's fine, but Martin Sheehan for instance, 10 minutes in the movie. I'm I'm seeing Captain Queenan. Yes. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. uh, Agreed. And you know, Matt Damon same thing. I love the performance. I thought it was great. DiCaprio. I thought the performance was very good. You know, Wahlberg's Wahlberg, but I was fine with it. It was more, I guess it was mostly Jack Nicholson that I kind of wasn't like fully loving it. Right. right. Not hating it. Not hating it, but not right. loving it. Right. Well, it's, I think it's very hard to separate Jack Nicholson from Jack Nicholson at this point. Yeah. yeah. It just, it kind of is. And it's like, he, he's at that point where you just can't really. And he kind of plays the same guy over and over again. And know granted, yes, I know he does. He did like, he's done a bunch of comedy and stuff. And those are funny. You know, and he like did the, the romances with Diane Keaton and stuff. But I don't know. I right. don't find him to be very threatening. And specifically in this, he didn't feel ruthless enough. Do you know who I think would have been fucking amazing in this part as Frank? Oh. Would have been Joe Pesci. Oh. or He's, a, he's Italian. Joe Pesci or Ray Liotta. Italian. Um, and then they were in Goodfellas, both of them. Right. That's fine. I mean, who cares? I mean, and who cares if they're Italian? You can just Hollywood. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Give me give me somebody like, I don't know, Colin McGregor. <laughs> Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is Frank? <laughs> A little young to pray Frank, I think. Young and Scottish, not oh, Irish. God. Or is he Irish? I forget. Uh, he'll probably come here and punch me in the face for that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, then how about, uh, what's his name there? Um, Ewan McGregor. No, not okay. Ewan McGregor. He's Scottish. Well, he's Scottish too. But that he uh, could play Irish. Colin sure. Farrell? Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Yes. You know, honestly. Granted, though, in 2006, he was way too young. True. He, he would have been like the same age as, um, as, uh, uh, Marky Mark probably at that point. Who I think would have been amazing um, because he's very, I mean, he would have had to be younger. Like the character of Frank would have had to been younger, but I think because he's so unassuming is I fucking love Edward Norton. I think he oh. would have been an amazing. Frank. Love Ed mm. Norton too. Because love he's him. so like, I don't know. I, I, I think he, I think he would have been a great Costello. Yeah. Mm. So That's an interesting choice. Something about this movie too, in this genre of movies, is like you got to put it up there with like Casino, Goodfellas. I mean, these are just the movies it falls in with. Right. It wasn't a ruthless movie, even when they were trying to be ruthless, like where you know Frank is holding the hand and hey, you at least you asked him what hand he jacks off with. There was nothing that I looked away or felt like that, like really spooked feeling, like 
one of the most fucked up scenes I've ever seen in a movie that I literally cannot even watch because it like it touches me so deeply in that wrong way where you're just like, oh, that's scary. Yeah, about American the, History X. No, the cornfield oh. scene in Casino where the mobsters bring Nikki and his little brother out and they beat him to death with baseball oh. bats and they bury Nikki while he's still alive. And they make Nikki watch while they beat his little brother to death with baseball bats. And he's, you know, saying, just kill him, just kill him. And they throw them both in the shallow grave while they're still breathing and throw the dirt on him. That's a fucked up scene. That's a scary movie. That's a mob movie. This, eh, eh. Pretty much everybody who got it, got it pretty quickly. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, a lot of uh, torture. No, it wasn't a ruthless movie. But, and honestly, I'm okay with that. I'm not in for torture porn, but you know. Me neither. And that was, and, and Casino was torture porn, 100%. Yeah. And, but I just was saying, you know, this movie didn't, didn't reach those dark moments, that really deep, heavy, like, oh, fuck, this is scary mafia stuff. Uh, but it was a brisk two and a half hours. I wasn't looking at the clock or the ticker. I was engaged with the whole movie. So I thought the script was really tight. I thought it moved along quickly for as much exposition as was given. And I was saying to Delin, for a movie that could have been very, very, very hard to follow because there were so many characters and so many twists and so many things to remember. Is this guy more? So many moving parts. It was really very easy to follow and it went very quickly. So I have to tip my hat to the writing. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have some problems with the writing at the end, which we will get into, but you know, like you said, it moved along quick. I didn't think like, I didn't never looked at it and was like, wow, I'm still watching this. Like, ugh, right. You know, which sometimes does happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Billy starts off at first with small jobs, but it isn't long before he's accompanying Mr. French played by Ray Winstone, who's Costello's second in command on actual hits. After months of this stuff, Billy starts losing his mind with anxiety. He puts pressure on his counselor, Madeline. As far as she knows, he's just attending court ordering ordered counseling. She does give him a small prescription for some drugs, but switches him to another counselor. When she starts to walk away, Billy asks her out for coffee. Little does he know that Madeline's boyfriend is Colin Sullivan, Costello's rat in the police department. And I'm going to stop here because I feel like that needs a little, little, like I had said to Des earlier, it was like, um, you kind of have this, uh, is he there because Queen and sent him there because he's a cop? Is he there just because it's the court order? And I think it was just the court order sending him there. And he just happened to get her, which seems a little far-fetched, but okay. Yeah. I remember thinking, wow, that's, that's awfully weird that he got the same person that handles all the police. Yeah. Yeah. Like if she's the one that's handling it every time somebody has, you know, used their firearm and she has to talk to them, she's getting all the guys from prison too. Like it just seemed like a little bit of a stretch, but okay. I mean, yeah. Like why would, why would she get a, uh, somebody that got kicked out of the Academy or whatever they said? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, seemed a little strange. Those were my two, my two thoughts on this was, I had two thoughts. Either one, it was because, yeah, he was a defunct cadet. And, you know, maybe they were like, send him to her. You know, she kind of has a way with cops and, you know, or, or, um, uh, Queenan knew. Queenan had a, a idea that possibly, um, that possibly Colin was the mole. 
And he wasn't saying anything to anybody. I mean, you know, he is a veteran. He knows now he can't say anything to anybody. He's not, he just is now putting people where he wants them to see if he can flush this guy out. And he's saying, hey, I want to put these two near each other. And here's the common denominator. It's going to be the psychiatrist. It's hmm. possible. It's possible. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but. Well, they call me Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pull a muscle making that stretch? Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, not move on. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so she says to um, Billy, she says, you know, you fit the perfect uh, description of somebody coming in. You're looking for meds. Yeah. They keep showing his prescription bottle for the Oxycontin. And they keep making a point of showing the doctor's name on it. Did it say Dr. Madeline? No, because it wasn't his prescription. It was his mother's prescription. Oh, okay. Okay. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. That was that was just one of my questions. Yeah. No, it was the mother's prescription, but he started taking them because he's living in that empty house where she lived. And are we to assume that Dr. Madeline buys her underwear at Victoria's Secrets? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, those are some fancy underwear. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Can I? I'm like, you're in one of these movies and you can't get her matching bra and panties. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, her bra did not match. And I'm sorry. That's so such a, like my bra and panties never match, but like, I'm not in a movie doing a sex dude, scene. So do you guys go to work in your fucking lacy Victoria's secret G strings? I, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, it was funny because when I went to a band practice, Dylan was with me. And uh, do you remember this when we were going for that first damn shame rehearsal up on the North Shore at that uh, when we were renting out the studios? And I, don't I was, remember. you'll remember because I was wearing your Victoria's Secret underwear because <laughs> I had no clean underwear. And then remember, Rich Cambrell was like, dude, because I, I like bent over or something. He's like, dude, are you fucking wearing Victoria's Secret's women's underwear? <laughs> I remember. You remember? Yeah, I remember. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love those. Like the Lynn Jamrums? Uh, yes. they were, yeah. Oh, no, it wasn't Lynn, no. was it? It was uh, no. off of 128. Yeah, no, this was like you rent these rooms out by the hour and they come with all the equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I was only wearing those Victoria's Secret underwear because it was a laundry day and it was all that was we had in the house. And they were. <laughs> still commando. They weren't. They weren't a oh, lazy. Oh, goes commando. There's too much to hold back, and they were just. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move on. They were. Let's move on. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Let's move on. Oh, dang. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> Come on, keep going. <laughs> keep going. You know what I have to say? The funniest thing is when my husband and I listen to these together, he can never tell who's wheezing if it's me or Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually both of us. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. 
At this point, it becomes apparent to all players that there's a rat in Costello's camp, but also in the state police's SIU. Colin is promoted to special investigator tasked only with finding out who the rat is, which is perfect since it's him. He can run all sorts of smoke screens and use his position instead to work on finding out who the police informant in Costello's crew is. Colin runs surveillance on Captain Queen and under the guise of no one's in the clear when it comes to who could be the rat. But really, he's trying to figure out who the informant is this way. It backfires when both the cops and Costello's men arrive at the location. And while the cops sit with their dicks in their hands, thanks to Colin's orders, Costello's men attack Queenan and throw him out a window, killing him. Billy escapes down the fire escape, and he pretends to have just arrived at the scene, jumps in the van with Costello's men as they make their getaway. I felt so bad for Queenan. He was trying to, like, save Billy's life, and he gets thrown out a window. It's just like, oh, yeah. brutal. I did, Mick, too. take it. I did, too. And uh, I have a fun fact about that scene. Um, nice. That scene was actually filmed uh, at the time I was dating this guy, and he um, he worked in that building. Oh, no oh, shit. really? And he came home from work one day and he said he that he met uh, Martin Sheen and maybe Mark Wahlberg or somebody else. Maybe it wasn't Mark Wahlberg because he wasn't in the scene. No, he wasn't. Somebody it else. Was Leonardo DiCaprio. It definitely wasn't Leo, though. But he said he, <clears throat> excuse me, I think he was getting on the, ele- he, he was either getting on or off the elevator and Martin Sheen and the other guy were, you know, going the opposite way. And Martin Sheen said, Hey, how you doing? And, and he's like, hello, Mr. President. And, he, and Martin Sheen started laughing from, cause he was on West Wing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, yeah, he said he was super nice. Um, and he, he's like, yeah, they filmed the movie in my building. So that was kind of so cool. cool. Yeah. What's interesting about that is that only like 20% of this movie was actually shot in Boston. Um, most of this movie was shot in New York City. Really? Yep. Interesting. Yeah. yeah thought, and that was. Um, it was really sad to me that because I, I really liked his character, and you could tell, like he his character was like a really good cop. Yeah, like oh, he yeah. was trying very hard to do the right thing. Yeah, and and then you know he talked about his wife that he had, which bummed me out, and then just like a, like. It was just so – that's one of those scenes where you don't see a lot, but you see a lot. Like when he hits the ground as Leo is coming around the corner, it's like – Yes. Wow. You know what I mean? Like Yes. Like holy shit. Like, yeah. And, and then you get the fact that Leo looks at his hand and there's blood on his hand. So he's, you know, this right. is just heavy-handed. He's saying, you know, this guy's blood is on my hands. Right. 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 Also, now that we're talking about – things that did or did not get shot in Boston. Can we talk about the, the red line, the amount of red line shots that they did? Oh, yeah. Like like that boop, boop. When you get, like, I was like, oh my God, it took me right back to traveling yeah. in on the red line every yeah. single day. And uh-huh. tell me the smell of that subway didn't immediately come oh, to yes. your mind. Oh, I know exactly totally what it smells did. like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I miss that smell. Me too. Oh, they should bottle that. It should be called like, I don't Cell know. Cell station funk. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god what about like park station some park street station oh, park street station is the worst it smells like piss it's so bad <laughs> park street kid yeah park street. Park yeah street. You it, it has to be like p-a-h-r-k <laughs> k-h-e-d kid kid <laughs> oh my god um so again now this was a question i had for delin so they show up and, you know, obviously um, Matt Damon is there. I mean, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is there when they come downstairs, you know, like, where were you? I was at the supermarket, whatever. And I got the call. I came as soon as I could. So the one guy gets shot. They go back to the hideout and the guy calls um, 
DiCaprio over to him. And he says, when I got up this morning, I said to myself, whoever doesn't show up is the rat. And he said, you were late and you're never late. And, you know, he's like, you know why I didn't say anything? And, you know, Billy is reaching for his gun. Like he's ready to shoot him because he says, I gave you the wrong address. Right. And you showed up and you showed up and, you know, Billy's ready to kill him because he's got to, but the guy dies in his arms and he says, do you know why I didn't say anything? And he dies. So we're going to find out this guy was an FBI informant. And I'm, I'm guessing that he was an undercover cop because he could have told the gang he he shouldn't be here. He didn't know where this address was. I gave him the wrong address. Right. I think he was trying to save Colin's ass by not giving him, I mean, no, uh, save Billy. Billy's ass by not giving him the right address. And then at the very end was trying to say to him, hey, I'm a cop before he died. I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was actually one of those moments where they say it, but they don't say it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which because, I thought was interesting. Yeah, because yeah. at first I'm like, why wouldn't he fucking tell them? I'm like, oh, it's a fucking cop. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> All right. So after Queenan's murder, Colin is given access to Queenan's belongings and files. In the notes, there's mention that Costello is an FBI informant and has been protected. He's been giving up police who have outlived their usefulness to him. Colin decides to use the information he's been receiving from Billy, because he in Queenan's stuff was also bi- the phone that he used to talk to Billy, and put an end to Costello. After a very quick and very bloody shootout, Colin finishes off Costello and is hailed the hero of the day. Billy barely escapes the scene and is waiting to talk to Colin, unaware that he is Costello's rat. Billy doesn't want to be a cop anymore. He just wants his identity back. Colin agrees and leaves his office for a moment to get Billy his promised bonus. But Billy sees an envelope on Colin's desk that would only be with Frank Costello's rat, and he runs off. When Colin returns, he realizes that Billy must have found out about him, so he deletes Billy from the police system and basically erases any trace of him ever being an undercover cop or being in their system. So I know I jumped over an awful lot with that, but um, I know Des has something to say about the the envelope. Yes. And- yes. So <clears throat> we see this scene where um, Billy gives uh, Dr. Madeline the envelope and says, you know, only- no, Different envelope. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, this yeah. This is okay. the citizen's envelope. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The citizen's envelope. Um, yeah. So Billy sees it on the desk and um, Colin says, I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, bring up your files and basically bring you back into existence so we can, you know, get you paid and get your identity back. And, and you know, uh, Billy says, I don't care about the fucking money or your fucking metal. He goes, I just want my life back. And he's like, well, Go to the computer and we're going to get your life back. So when he's gone, he notices the envelope with his handwriting on it. And he knows at that moment that Colin is the fucking mole. So all he wants is his life back, right? So instead of taking the envelope and tucking it under the book, so uh, Colin has no idea that he's seen it. And letting Colin come back in and say, all right, great, you're a hero. Here's your money. Here's your identity. And, you know, now Billy can just go on with his life, leave the force, and just wash his hands of this whole experience, which is all he wants. He's made that clear. No. He's going to pull the envelope out, leave it on the desk so Colin knows that he's seen it, and he's going to escape the police department. This is fucking makes absolutely no sense to me. And then it makes even less sense when he calls him up and draws him onto the fucking the rooftop 
and is saying to him, all I want is my fucking identity back. I'm going to arrest you so I can get it back. And it's like, now Colin's like, no, I've already wiped your files out. You no longer exist. That can't happen. So none of this makes sense to me. This is a hole in the plot. Yeah, because like you said, he literally could have accepted his check, accepted his medal of honor, and then been like, by the way, that's your rat right there. And it, and it, instead of this thing of trying to arrest him on a rooftop, like, or not said anything at all, or just or not said anything that, at all, just taking that fucking knowledge to the grave with him. Who fucking cares? Yeah, I mean, if he if all he wanted was his identity back and didn't care about doing the right thing, just get your money, get your medal, and walk away. Yeah, he escaped this experience with his life. I think he feels fucking lucky that he wasn't chopped into pieces and fed to the fish. Yeah, and and what? Now for what? For nothing? You're gonna get back into this? No. He's just going to take his check and his identity and walk out the door and be done with it. I also think that I find it hard to believe that one single uh, digital record is all that's being deleted accidentally or on purpose is what stands between you and being like you didn't ever work for the Boston Police Department. Like that seems like that might be kind of a loophole. And then at the end at his funeral, we see that every. We see everybody knows he's a cop again, and there's pictures of him as a cop at the yeah. at the eulogy. Yes, yeah, and he gets the twenty one gun salute. You only get that when you're a cop or you're military, right? Yeah. So, uh, but let's not jump that far ahead. So, Sorry. I mean, Mickey. So, what did what did you did you notice that in in the office? I did, I did notice that, and I thought, and it, uh, you I, almost have to wonder if he thought that he was in danger still, and that's, that's why he that, ran. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking, like. And it almost looked like he tried to shove it underneath and maybe he was just so freaked out that he didn't get it all the way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he, I don't know if he intentionally left it out so Matt Damon would know that it was him. Like, I don't know. Like, I I under, like, that's a hard one to call. Well, it didn't look like he left it out so he would know, but he left it out enough to where Matt Damon noticed it the second he went into the office and also noticed Leonardo DiCaprio was fucking gone. (laughs) Right. Um, But there There was was a a tip off. Yeah. But there was a scene before that where Leonardo creeps down the hall and looks over Colin's shoulder and sees him working on the computer. Now, I don't know if I missed a scene where it looked like Colin was doing something nefarious with Billy's portfolio. Right. Well, I also wonder too, was, um, if he was looking to like mess with the portfolio to make it look like he was a bad guy or something, you know, but yeah. it didn't seem like it. Cause he came in with the paperwork. He's like, Hey, everything fucking checks out. We're all good to go here. Yeah. But w- so here's the other question. Uh, he goes, uh, let me go use this other computer. Cause my computer goes kablooey. And it was like, why? like, yeah. What? Yeah, what? so why did he have to do it from the other room? That's what That's I was what I'm saying. saying. I'm feeling like I'm feeling like I missed something when DiCaprio was looking through the window and watching Colin on the computer. I think I missed something in that scene. I don't know, but I do know I, I do feel like when he hit like delete, you, you can't do that. Like there's Yeah, there's gotta be fail safes to that. There's fail safes, there's I mean especially an organization like that, they back up their data every hour. And it wouldn't even be, you couldn't delete it. It would be something that would say like, this is, um, you know, a non uh, working operative or something. I don't know. You just, you wouldn't just be able to just delete somebody. You'd have to have a certain, certain type of like, I don't know, like, I, I don't even know, like a certain type of clearance to do that. You'd need like, 
I don't know, but well, I, it seems like at this point, Colin has the clearance. He's basically has Queenan's job. Yes. You yeah. Know? yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just the whole delete thing. I was like, eh, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the first person to say like, well, I will watch movies, and Tony will be like, you can't. Blah blah blah. Especially if yeah, it's movie. not a movie if it does if they do the thing. Right. You Especially know. with guns involved. You know, he's because he's a you know gun aficionado and he so he knows a lot about guns and he'll go that's not a you can't do that with that kind of and i'm like Ugh. you know what i mean or if i'll watch like jurassic park and i'll get like really sad and he'll go they're cgi dinosaurs mick i'm like <laughs> and i'll be like can you just believe for 90 minutes you know what i mean and so like so i i'm usually the last person to go that's bullshit but like deleting that's bullshit like you can't Agreed. I agree. I was like, there's no way that you could just delete somebody out of the Massachusetts State Police, uh, you know, registry of people who worked, work or have worked for, you know, there's just no way. So has he had the affair with um, Dr. Madeline yet? Yes. And I'm not sure exactly why, uh, where I jumped over that, but at some point they have, yes, that has happened. I thought that was a little strange too, because- I wasn't sure why Dr. Madeline was attracted to Leonardo. Thank you. Yeah, me neither. And it seemed like she was like a very, like a high morals, high morals woman, a professional doctor. Seems like she was in love with um, Colin and they were getting ready to start like a, a serious life together. And I just don't know why she's fucking this guy behind her boyfriend's back. I feel like part of it was tried to be explained with the picture of her as a kid. Yeah, remember? Uh, like, definitely, she, and like, I saw that. Yeah, Colin pulls out the picture of her as a kid and goes, well, this is going in the other room. Like, this isn't, yeah. a, and she's like, why? And he, he's like, this doesn't belong in the living room, and he hides it. And yeah, she's and, like, then, the and then, and then Billy like, shows a little interest in it, and she's like, fuck me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay. now, like, like, I'm not sure if that was supposed to be, like, some sort of a thing, like, you know, uh, seeing her for who she is and letting her be herself kind of a thing. You know, Colin definitely was, you know, having her play the role. Right. You know, I and don't he know. Was I... Just letting. I mean, I'm I'm reading into it, obviously, but I mean, that's you're gonna betray your relationship because some guy likes you. No, fucking... I would think at this point, if you're interested in him, you got to let Colin go. I mean, and Colin said to her, "If you're not, if we're, if this isn't gonna work, you just need to leave because I'm never gonna leave. I'm an Irishman. I'll just stay yeah. in a bad relationship forever." Right. You know, so it was like, well, yeah. And there's some scenes like she's crying behind him. Uh, we're going to get a scene later in the movie where she says to Leo, uh, you know, there's something I want to tell you. He says, wait two weeks. If you still want to tell me, tell me then. She's going to tell him that she's pregnant and it's his baby. Right. Um, yeah. I think she knows that she has been impregnated by Billy. I think she also knows that there's something up with Colin. <laughs> He's having trouble performing sexually. He's obviously a bad cop. She knows this. She knows that he is... Um, she knows he's a bad cop. She knows he's she knows he's fucked up. Yeah. Well, she knows that he's up to something because there's like the couple there's like two different times where, you know, he's on the phone and and she's looking from like and they they're giving you that double shot where you can see her watching him and yeah. she's like, "Mm, something's up." And you know, he's going, "This is all part of my job." And she's like, "I don't think so because he was talking to to Jack Nicholson. He wasn't talking to like a yeah, subordinate. And, or and coincidentally right. enough, the, the tape that, or the CD that she gets that um, comes from Billy, that just happens to be a recording of the conversation that he was having on the balcony while she was in the nope. kitchen. 
Nope. It was a conversation in the uh, the nudie show. Are you sure? Yes. 100%. Okay. The conversation they were having was the one where he goes to the to the um, to the peep show. I thought, uh, I don't think so. No, it's when he's on the back porch. He's saying, let me do what I do. Let me do what I do. It was the conversation from the porch. It definitely 100%. wasn't. It definitely was like, I can't wait till next week when I tell everybody that I was right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. All right. All right, my friends. Moving on. Upon Costello's death, Billy is given a bunch of tapes of conversations Costello had with people. He was paranoid and recorded everything. He left the tapes to Billy. So in a weird way, Billy was actually one of the people he actually trusted, especially since Mr. French died in the shootout. These tapes prove that Colin is guilty and is the mole. Billy tells him to come meet him. When Colin arrives, Billy pistol whips him and attempts to arrest him. However, instead of bringing Dignam with him like Billy asked him to, Colin has brought two cops that are loyal to him. On his way out of the building, Billy is shot in the head. Then one of the other cops gets shot because the third cop, a kind of dude bro that's been in the background all along, reveals that he was also on Costello's payroll. He knew that Colin was the rat all along and kept quiet. Colin, seeing a chance to make a clean break with all of the Costello business, shoots that cop in the head as well, (laughs) then spins a tale about how Billy was a good cop and he was trying to debrief him and they were both attacked by the bad cop before Colin was able to kill him. Now, this is one of the huge problems I have with this. You want to tell me that Costello let this schmutz that is just one of his people in the the business know that Colin is the head honcho mole, but Colin doesn't know about the schmutz. You want to tell me that? That's not, I'm not buying that. No. And the schmutz was actually put in, made a plain clothed detective on the, um, on the recommendation of Colin. Colin basically got him that. He's like, you want to show up looking like you're fucking invading Poland every day? Yes. That's the same guy. (laughs) Same Mm -hmm. guy. So yeah, I agree. There's no fucking way that this guy has more information than fucking everybody else in the movie. Yeah. You right, can't tell guy, me that he knows like, everything. Out of nowhere. This guy who was like, you barely saw him in the whole movie. Yeah, he's the dude bro in the back. And, no. the sense, yeah. and, and I forgot about that about that scene. And then when he shot Billy, I was like, holy shit. Like, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. 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 Um, here's the other thing I don't understand. When when Matt Damon was given his statement and he's like, and you know, and he's kind of giving him the rundown of what happened. He's like, and then he turned on me, so I had no choice but to shoot him. You shot him on the side of the head when he's coming yeah. at you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would have held up in a court of law, quite frankly, but everyone no. was so bu- so busy thinking he was the hero that they weren't going to dig into it. Yeah. So I feel like um, Scorsese missed some opportunities here at the end. So we got a two and a half hour movie with a very, very tight script and very, very clever twists and turns. And at the very end, He's going to wrap everything up with this bullshit, like, I shoot you, you you shoot him, he shoots you, you shoot him, he shoots you, and then you shoot him, and then the movie's over. Hmm. It's like, dude, I could have wrote that on a fucking dinner napkin at Arby's. It's like, like, no, come on, man. There's a better ending to the movie than this. There just is. There's a better ending to the movie than this. That's a 2 a.m. Denny's napkin story. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It yes, doesn't it is. fit the rest of this movie. It doesn't work. And poor work. Anthony Edwards, who is, who is it, that's his name? Uh, the 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 one poor black cop in the entire thing yeah. who ends up well, getting yes. shot in the head. Like, he was a good cop through the whole thing. He was a friend of Billy's, and he gets it in the head. The yeah. one it's black like, guy that lives in Boston in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't even see another black guy, like, walking around, no, working no. anywhere. It's like, he is it. 
And they actually yeah. make a point. Ah, you already got it tough enough being a black guy in Boston. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. It's not 1977 South oh Boston. I mean, I would hope to think we're a little bit more, you know. Uh, There's definitely more more black men on the force now than there was then. Oh, God, yeah. it's so bad. It's so bad. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> there was there was not a lot of racial diversity in this movie. There definitely was not. Um, but yeah, I thought that I thought that this was a cheap, a cheap ending, getting yeah. you know, wrapping up all these and and doing it all in one scene, all in three minutes. Yeah, it's like boom, 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 boom. Oh shit, we're over. We're done. <laughs> yeah. And and then you know, and then you got um Colin when he's giving a statement and he's like, yeah. And then I noticed that the other two cops were expired. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like are there any real detectives in this movie? Cause this fucking is not adding up any of this, <laughs> you know, what were you guys doing on the roof? Why was he handcuffed? Why did he get shot in the side of the head? No, that's how it happened. Okay, great. <laughs> fucking let's promote this guy to president. Yeah. That's, I just, I was, I, cause I watching it. I'm like, you know, if the if he says the guy comes at him and but then the guy was clearly shot in the side of the head yeah. towards yeah, the like, what did he do run towards him with his head to the side right yeah <laughs> this this crime scene is just there's no way to describe it for Matt Damon where he's going to come out of this thing looking like a hero there's no way you're describing this thing like no how did you wind up on the roof why were you talking to this guy why was it it's like none of it's going to make sense like the only thing he could say is, well, I'm the mole and he was the other fucking rat. And, you know, <laughs> and I had yeah. to shoot this guy because he knew my real identity. You know, it's like, no. Yeah. yeah, true. So before he gets shot and killed, Billy, um, he had given an envelope to Madeline and said, if something happens to me, open this envelope. Now, I was disappointed that you never see the envelope again. Now, I'm sure the thing that happens at the very end of the movie that we're about to get to is because of the envelope. She yes. opens it, she reads what's inside it, and she tells Dignam well, about what's inside it. And whether she, she passes the tapes to Dignam as well, I don't know, because they don't... They spent two and a half hours showing you this movie and then didn't actually explain the end. Yeah, they should have. The end of this movie should not have wait, been that. Yeah, don't jump ahead. Let me, let me read right. it. And then, so it appears that Colin will get away with all of this scot-free, even having the balls to attend Billy's funeral. However, Madeline does leave him, refusing to even discuss the baby she is pregnant with with him. She knows he's responsible for, for Billy's death and much more. In the movie's final scene, Colin returns home with some groceries and gets shot through the head by Sergeant Dignam, the only person left in the world who knows about Billy being an undercover cop. Dignam yes. walks away, leaving Colin on the floor of his fancy apartment with the view of the state house. Okay. So have at so, it. So, all right. First of all, we know for a fact now that Dr. Madeline was impregnated by Billy because one, she didn't bother telling Colin because there was no reason to because it wasn't his child. Two, you'll notice Colin looks over at um, Dr. Madeline. And oh, no, she tells him that she's pregnant. But then when when they're at the funeral and she's, he says to her, what about the baby? And she just keeps walking. Yes. He's like, that's it's Billy's baby anyway. So fuck you. She yes. just keeps going. And, and Colin looks over at her and she's the only one at this funeral bawling. And right. he makes a face like, why the fuck is she crying? Like nobody else here is crying. How does, why is she so broken up about this guy's death? And then he makes a face and you know, right then and there that he knows what's been going on, that she yeah. is been sleeping with him. Um, so I feel like the ending of this movie should have been something more like this. Okay. 
she goes to the desk. She looks at the envelope and then we see um, Marky Mark open up the envelope. We see Colin coming home, same as he did. He opens the door and the FBI is waiting to arrest him. They've got the evidence. They've got the tapes. She's tipped them off. There's something in the envelope we're going to get to see and go, ah, oh, there it is, the smoking gun that, you know, that proves that he's the guy. Instead, we get this absurd fucking ending where now, uh, now fucking Marky Mark is going to be like American he's like Psycho. Dexter. He's like yeah. Dexter. He's like Dexter. He's, you know, <laughs> it's just such a bullshit ending. I want something where we think that fucking, we think that Billy is dead, but he's not. Okay. So we're going to rewrite that just a little bit to where we think Billy is dead. And then we're going to get the ending where Matt Damon gets arrested by Marky Mark and then we get the twist ending where we see Madeline and Billy together. And you're like, oh, my God, he didn't die. There's my ending. I honestly would have liked that better. I understand why it is the way it is, but I would have liked it better that way. I, I Yeah, I agree with you. Although then they, they may not be able to call it The Departed. if they. Yeah, I know, because at the end, everybody in the fucking movie has departed. You know what I did like, though, was the, sim- the symbolism at the end with the rat on the. Oh, yeah. I yes. mean, it's very much on the nose, but yes, I enjoyed it. Yeah, with with the uh, state house, the the gold, the golden the, state house, because they gave us they gave us a couple of shots of um, Colin in the exact same shot. They've just taken Colin out now and put the rat there. Yep. yep, I love it. Um, so earlier in the movie, we're gonna we're also gonna learn now that Colin is going to kill everybody that can tie him to being the mole. Everybody. They've got to die. Even his best buddy there from the Academy that he gets the gig as the undercover cop. He, even though he says, you know, we got each other's backs now. We got to look out for each other. He shoots him in the back of the head when he's not looking because he is now cutting everybody out that knows he's the rat. But Dr. Madeline, oh, this is fine. You know, she's heard the tape. She knows that I'm the rat. What? He would have fucking, he would have had her killed. He would have called Frank the day that she played that disc in the living room and says, I know you're a fucking dirty cop. She, he would have called Frank and been like, she needs to have an accident. You know, she needs no, to have an accident. He just killed her right in the apartment, I think. I don't think he would even bother giving her an accident. Nah, he would have had Frank have one of his goons do it. I mean, he's a fucking, he's a, he's a shit. He's a high, a high, uh, you know, ranking cop at the Boston Police Department. He's not going to kill her himself when he's got yeah. eyes to the I think mob. he's too much like, of a coward to kill her. Yes. Yeah. He would have had, you know, Mr. French do it. You know, it would have looked like a mugging or whatever. But yeah, there's no way she's going to escape with this information. No, you know, I do agree with that. Like you said, he has pretty much made a career out of offing everybody else that has anything to do with it or knows anything about him. Yeah. And, and also, um, Sergeant Dingham, you know, He's a loose cannon, but he's not a murderer. He's not a dirty cop. And he's not a vigilante. And he's not going to do this at the end. He's going to take down fucking Colin the right way. And as we know, there is fucking plenty of evidence floating around to get that ending to this movie. Like, you barely even have to write any more to do it. You know, no, I mean, he's got all those tapes. And if he's saying to her, you know, I mean, even if he doesn't live, 
even if if he just says to her, the tapes are in a safety deposit box. This is where it is. You can find all this information, this, this, and this. I've written everything I know down yeah. and just go get it and bring it to Sergeant Dignam. Yeah. That's it. Like, that's all I, I need. They, I think they also maybe wanted to show, like, because you see it through the whole movie, how much um, Dignam and Colin fucking despise each other. No, and this I, is true. I think they wanted to show, like, as far as he was concerned, this guy didn't deserve a trial. He didn't deserve anything. He was responsible, really, for Martin Sheen's death. He was responsible yep. for so many deaths. Fuck him. Period. Like, I, you know, he hated him so much. Yeah, yeah, but do you know why I don't think that that plays in this movie? Is because when Billy gets Colin on the roof, finally, and they're in the elevator, and finally Colin understands Billy's got him dead the rights, and he can't talk his way out of this. He says, just fucking kill me. Just right. kill me. And and Colin, Colin says, Billy, just kill me. And Billy says, I am I killing am. you. Yeah, because he understands that at this point, Colin would rather die than be, um, you know, marked as the as the rat in Boston. And uh, it's a fate worse than death. It's a fate yeah. worse than death. And that's why at the end, I felt like and Mark, uh, and Mark gave him the easy way out. Yeah, I felt like I felt like uh, the director gave the character the easy way out where we've been, you know, you built this thing up. You gave us an envelope. You gave us fucking these all these conversations that have been stored away. You've given us, uh, you know, the, the doctor that knows the truth. And you've also set up that he would rather die than be convicted of being a rat. And you, none of this plays back at the end of the movie. And it's just like, what a wasted opportunity. True. Yeah. So, yeah. But I liked the ending. <laughs> I, I did. No, I did. I liked the ending too. Don't get me wrong. I liked I liked everything about this movie. I thought it was very good, but it's our job to point out things like this. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's why we were reviewing it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So shall we get into our scores? Yeah, let's do it. Mickey, what's your uh, rewatch score for The Departed? Uh, the Departed. Um. I was saying the departed earlier and Tony said, you can't say it that way. You have to nope. say departed. Yeah. Departed. The departed. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, like I said before, I love the cast in this movie. Um, and I thought, you know, there were certain characters that I really liked o overall. Um, you know, I think I saw it when it first came out um, and I haven't seen it again until now. Mm -hmm. um, I'd probably give it maybe like a 3.75 rewatch. Five. And I don't know Lynn. if I need to see it again for another, you know, 10 years or whatever. Yeah, this right. was the second time I'd seen the movie yeah. as well. Dylan, what's your rewatch score for The Departed? Uh, I'm going to say that I definitely agreed with the points that we made about the ending almost feeling like it was rushed a little bit and uh, some rather large plot holes. And it, I I always make fun of people for being like, I could have written a better ending. I always make fun of for people that do that. And here I am doing it. But <laughs> uh, I felt like something, it, it could, I don't know. I, I would have appreciated a little bit more thoughtful ending, I guess. If this mm -hmm. felt almost like the easy way out, yep. you know, just like Colin got the easy way out. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to give it a 3.25. 3.25. Um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much echo all the same thoughts you guys just had about the movie. Um, I, I really wanted to see Billy live 
you know, and I think Same. being such a deep undercover operative, I feel like they could have written in a twist where, you know, almost like the uh, witness protection program where they, they could have faked his death and he could have popped up at the end of the movie with the doctor. But that's just because I love rom-coms and I'm a fucking romantic. <laughs> so whatever. I'm not going to ding the movie because I'm a fucking a goon. Uh, <laughs> so I think I like this one a little better than you guys. Um, it's two and a half hours. It didn't drag. It was good. It was a nice tight script. You know, we get a lot of great performances. So I'm going to give this a 4.25. It's really good. So with Mickey's 375, Dylan's 325, and my 425, I think this comes out to a solid four rewatches. It's it's a way above average movie. It's fucking good. It's really good. So if you haven't seen The Departed, what are you waiting for, kid? Fucking go see it. Ah, like always, love watching movies from separate rooms with you, Delin. <laughs> Mickey, fucking always awesome doing podcasts with you. You bring a lot to the show. Thank you. Um, for all the listeners, we thank you guys for coming. And, you know, we hope to hear from you with your ideas and movie suggestions. We oh, and also want to give a shout out to Pat. It was his birthday yesterday. Hey, he, happy uh, birthday, Pat. Birthday, yes, he uh he turned 105. <laughs> um that's uh, 105 in smokers years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um we will be back next week where we will be reviewing Dodgeball. Nice. And we'll be doing that one with Pat. Great movie. I know he's never seen it, so I'll be interested. I to can't see what wait he for him to see it. Oh yeah. so good. You've never seen it? Never seen never it. Never seen it. Oh my god, I could probably recite that. Pat is Me a too. habit. Pat likes to watch the same things over and over and over and over. <laughs> um, so he will be watching Dodgeball for the first time. And then we will be back the week after with Tony, where we will be reviewing. Oh, yeah. Get ready for this one. Streets of Fire. I haven't seen this movie in probably 25 years or more. Um, I don't know what to expect, but. I did read a little thing that said it's a movie set in the 50s with lots of neon from the 80s and it's shot like an 80s MTV music video. So I'm looking forward to that one. I haven't seen it in years either. And I'm I am I'm actually really looking forward to listening to it because I feel like I remember liking it and I remember really liking Michael Paré in it. Oh, and and fucking Willem Dafoe and his plastic his plastic pants that come up to his nipples. That's all I remember. <laughs> oh, I'm like, damn, he was cool. Um, and then we'll be back the uh, week after that, where we will be reviewing, um, what movie is it? Uh, the Witch One. Oh, The, the Craft. The Craft. And uh, that one was chosen because, you know, you guys love your potions. So there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, I only have one question for you. Delin, do you want to take it this week? Oh, I'll take it for sure. Do it. <laughs> hey, did you ever see that movie? Fucking Bye. right, I did. Bye. <laughs> that call. <laughs> okay, we're curling now. We're we're curling. <laughs> What's that? Is that like cheese curd? Yeah, <laughs> gas. I like dill. All right, are we ready? <laughs> yes. And I was wearing fucking Delin's okay. Victoria, Victoria's Secret underwear. They're very comfortable. <laughs>